listeners, you're listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Nightmare Junkhead. With Genius McGee and Greg D. I'm Gigi Saul Guerrero from Lucha Gore Productions. <laughs> Gore is love, baby. Weaving in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that knows sometimes dead Dead is is better. (laughs) My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're grabbing our shovels and saying a prayer as we head into Stephen King territory, and we're going to be talking Mary Lambert's Pet Cemetery. But before we go any further, let me remind you guys, we are part of the ever-expanding Boom Howdy Podcast Network. Boom Howdy. And you can find all of our past episodes and all of the new shows over at BoomHowdy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud apps. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your gauge hole. Waiting for that one there. (laughs) And also, you can find out what we're doing over at Facebook under Nightmare Junkhead, and you can keep up with all of of our nightmare shenanigans <laughs> and speaking of nightmare shenanigans we do need to promote a few things that we're going to be shenaniganing about yes yes is that an actual um verb? verb yeah it, it shenaniganing is okay shenanigan. perfect perfect uh starting on may 23rd over at tapcade mm-hmm. uh this is in ties with our uh, other podcast nerds of nostalgia we're holding our this will be our fifth yes monday mystery movie night mm-hmm. where we are going to be screening a flick you don't know what it is until you show up right. and then we record a podcast afterwards and talk about it mm-hmm. and you the it's, theme, right? Is, it's, it fits Nightmare Junkhead. Oh, of course, I mean, yeah. of course. It's summer camp slashers, and so we are screening a classic summer camp slasher. In mm-hmm. fact, it's one of the most batshit crazy ones. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot to talk about. It's going to be a lot of fun. You do not want to miss that. It's going to yeah. be a grand time. There's going to be some discussion. There's going to be a there's lot be to a talk lot about. Of discussion it. afterwards. I cannot wait to talk about it. So definitely, if you are a fan of horror movies, you know, and you're like, well, I'm not really sure about nerds and nostalgia. We love horror on nerds and nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a horror episode. <laughs> and so I can't wait to hear how everyone talks about it. It's going to be a good time. And then the next night yes. on May 24th. Oh, this is going to be great, dude. This is going to be fun. We've uh-huh. been talking about it for a while. But this is going to be technically the third in the horror show series over at the Alamo Draft House, mm-hmm. where Genius McGee and I... We get to pick the movies. It's going to be awesome. And the horror show, it's all horror, all 35 millimeter, All old school prints. Just man. the way you saw it back mm-hmm. in the day. And mm-hmm. we're going to be screening one of my... All-time favorite yeah. flicks. Uh, one, I, I'll argue it's the best horror film of the 80s, which then you know puts it up there in the best horror films of all time, mm-hmm. but uh, 1985's Fright Night. Brewster, you're so cool. I can't wait to talk about Stephen Jeffries yep. and just how wonderful he is. I too, it's too bad we can't like show afterwards fraternity The fraternity vacation. vacation. <laughs> That'd just be perfect. Dude. I know they have the trailer on 35mm. I don't think they actually have the movie on 35mm. <sighs> Still. We can get that the would be a fantastic. Yeah, that'd be awesome. It would be fantastic. Uh-huh. That's chocolate and peanut butter right there. It's, oh, my God. Yeah, it Shoot. Is. It is, seriously, mm-hmm. it's, it's fantastic. But. Well, we're also hosting Night Ripper, Video Vortex. Ah, yes. Yeah. And is that the one with the soup Nazi? Soup Nazi as like a Jack the Ripper in modern New York as like, <laughs> no death for you. You know, and just. <laughs> 
I, it's always interesting uh, when you find those old horror films that have those people that mm-hmm. they really probably wish time had forgotten <laughs> right. those films. But unfortunately, people like us just love and gravitate towards yeah. that stuff. It's not every day you're going to see soup Nazi kill people, killing people. Well, yeah. you know what? He was on. He was always on the edge on the show anyway. <laughs> yeah, this is like when happens when somebody cuts in line and takes the yes, job. Yes, it's anyway. the logical yeah. extension <laughs> of that universe. <laughs> you, uh, what night is that? Uh, it's the. I think it's like the it's, last Tuesday of May. Last Tuesday or Wednesday, yeah. Okay, perfect. perfect. I just want to know if he, when he kills people, it goes boom, 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 boom. If it doesn't, you'll be humming it in your head anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? And if you're at the thing, you'll you listen to this. You'll be doing it as well. <laughs> and honestly, if we don't talk about that beforehand, we're just you know not doing our fans. You know, the, the people there is service there, um, uh, and that's always a good time. Mm-hmm. But on um, Sunday, May fifteenth, which would be like a t- couple of days, it'll be in after, a couple of days after couple we release this episode. This, yeah, mm-hmm. and that, this is why we're talking about. And this. yeah, no, this is exactly. We're mm-hmm. doing a mondo screening, mm-hmm. which means we're giving away something fantastic, something super dope, and. In this case, it is the soundtrack on vinyl mm-hmm. to Pet Cemetery. <laughs> so that's going to be. I'm just I'm I'm anxious to see this because in all honesty, we just watched the film because yeah. it had been a while since we had we, we had watched it, screened and, it, and we wanted to talk about this, and you know we wanted like kind of refresh our memory over this because this is a film. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a while since a I've seen this one. A long time since yeah. I've seen this one. Uh, but Pet Cemetery, famously done by Stephen King, and mm-hmm. so before we get into the actual movie itself. Mm-hmm. Um, just your your kind of a background, your experience with Stephen King. Yeah, because as a horror fan, he's kind of a he's a he's an overlord. He's a, right. He's like the horror god. He is. I mean, every rite of passage horror movie, any horror aficionado should at least, if not see his movies, have read some of his books. You, you kind of cut your teeth early right. on, yeah. with the Stephen King overall. Mm-hmm. So, do you remember? And do you by any chance remember the first Stephen King book you read? Uh, Cycle of the Werewolf. Oh, nice. The the one of Steve. The little novella. Uh-huh, the little novella uh, based on Sil- Silver Bullet was based mm-hmm. on it. And I remember reading it because it had pictures Yeah, in I it. do remember that as well. And so I was young enough where I'm like, I see these Stephen King and I saw these horrific covers and I've seen movies of Stephen King since I was little and I've always wanted to read the book, but they were just too like, big for yes, me. Yes, they were tones, Yeah, they man. were huge. And so I was maybe about... 11 12 okay, okay right? perfect, perfect and so like i wasn't ready for those big ass tomes yet but i'm walking through in like the horror section because i like reading short stories mm-hmm. but now it's like cycle of the world oh, it's pretty thin hey there's pictures perfect sold so i went and i checked it out and i i like to read in the bathroom and so <laughs> some things never change i'm the same myself <laughs> right? no worries so i'm sitting there reading i'm like whoa Oh, wow. God damn. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then I was like, after I read the book, I went back and watched uh, Silver, Silver Bullet. Bullet. Uh-huh. Piss on the Yankees. And then I've been reading, let's see, I've read uh, front cover, The Stand. Um, that was a daunting task. I was going to say, that that's an investment, ta- man. It took me like three months to read. <laughs> it really did. And like that was one of the books where I didn't just primarily take it to the bathroom. I like read a chapter before bed mm-hmm. and just like kind of like okay, because there's like 125 chapters in that damn book. It's exhausting. Yeah, and I've read Misery. Um, I've read uh, It. Um, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, Dolores Claiborne. Okay, um, some of the later jams. Yeah, and then I and I read a lot of his short stories. Oh, like, the short uh, stories. Four past midnight and like stuff his like, short story collection. Uh, skeleton, and, yeah. the so, yeah, skeleton, skeleton shift. shift. So, yes. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. 
about giant evil rats and shit. Yeah, I could. I'm gonna. I've got a couple of stories, especially with that one. And oh my god, if you were in my situation, I don't think you'd be here now because you would have had a heart attack. But Fuck, I almost had a heart attack today with that goddamn cat of yours. Every time you watch something with an evil cat, anything with god a cat, damn, or something or critters or little rodents or anything, your cat specifically likes to fuck with me. And you've done all you can to try to make peace with. I with brought, her. I you brought know, her treats. I've, I've seen you feed her things right. you know, Predator lovingly and no no apparently holds a grudge for some know. shit i don't know if it was just, not you know not perceived on your part maybe your cat is an asshole and just likes to fuck with me like i this, think so this dude's fun to fuck with well and especially because i think she knows the that, fact I, that, that i'm just... afraid of this shit yeah god damn it so i was introduced to stephen king back when i was in middle school mm-hmm. and um i remember actually checking out the book pet cemetery so this mm-hmm. is actually if, if, if memory serves correct this is the first one i ever read mm-hmm. and again i was probably in sixth or seventh grade we got it from our library but i remember my buddies and i giggling because it was a very much a rite of passage um stephen king was just everywhere in the 80s yeah i mean you want to talk about um the you know mainstream horror my mom knew stephen king my, yeah. dad, my grandma knew stephen king he was huge he's he, up there with like a household name like dr seuss or and or, it's fucked up because when you read those books <laughs> they're fucked up books. they are beyond fucked up <laughs> they're fucked it seemed up. like such like an adult thing to read almost again like a rite of passage mm-hmm. and i remember our buddies giggling because in pet cemetery there's a scene where she gives the um the guy a hand job in the tub yeah and i remember reading it and i'm just like like should i be reading this like <laughs> i like dirty. I could handle all the death and gore, but then when you had that intimacy, <laughs> the erotic, I felt dirty. But I was and I was like looking over my shoulder and shit, you know, yeah. reading it. But it was just very. It felt like a very adult thing. Well, sex and horror go hand, go in, hand, hand. in hand, and especially with Stephen King, there's like fucking kid orgies. Right. Oh you God, know? thank you, thank you. It, my God, that was a mind blowing <laughs> read. And I remember reading that, going, "Is this happening? Right. Like, am I somehow misconstruing? <laughs> this? Did I get the wrong book? Like, did somebody?" like glue pages <laughs> uh, yeah the, well the pages i think were stuck, stuck together, together it's, yeah the different thing unfortunately it, it made it you know well, the and, frank reynolds library <laughs> but what was funny about you know you would carry his books around like they were tomes oh no yeah yeah and i have you, backpack full and if by any chance if they ever fell out it fell out of your backpack it happened to me once like i just like all stephen king clive barker all these books like fucking the necronomicon just <laughs> falls out of my backpack and i remember like in front of the cheerleaders and i was like uh ladies and i was just kind of like i would think it just gotta go away like oh there's scary genius <laughs> oh my god so i was um Living in Lawrence for a while, and I started reading one of the uh, the short story collection, The Skeleton mm-hmm. Crew. Mm-hmm. And the, which one is it with the rats? I think it's Skeleton. Is it just Skeleton Crew? Okay. Uh-huh. So I'm sitting there reading that, and I just adopted a little baby cat. And in my room, I was I was laying on my bed, but the bed was only a um, box spring and a mattress. Mm-hmm. Well, somehow or another, in the middle of the night or whatever, the cat had gotten into the box spring and was laying in there. And so I'm reading these books on rats and these rats that, you know, they go out and they fuck you up. Mm-hmm. Well, something happened where the cat freaked out and just started like <laughs> underneath in the box spring. And yeah, exactly. I let out just the. I got up on the bed and was like doing a little tippy toe <laughs> dance because I was just so engrossed 
with with the pros, I lost myself in it, and then it was like a William Ca- Ca- yeah. Castle experience. Yeah. Oh my god! I laughed about it afterwards, but that moment of terror because I was so engrossed with what I was reading that I lost all sense of time and my surroundings, and then that happened. And Jesus Christ, I would it, I would have lost more than sense, dude. I I you're telling me this story right now, and I you can't see, you but can I have this look of horror on my face. I, I would have to throw that mattress away because it would be it would be Still. staying with my own filth. It would just be there would be just shit and piss and vomit all over it. Well, I tell you, it's the power of his. Like I said, the power of his prose. Right. It really engrossed me. Yeah. It's so much the fact that I just lost sense of everything, which I love. Mm-hmm. You know, especially yeah. with a good book like that when you get lost into it. But unfortunately, <laughs> when you read horror, there are sometimes those occasional cathartic moments that <laughs> the come out, out outside Porsches fuck with you. Oh my god, it was awful. It was so bad. But, Jesus um, Christ, dude! I can't even. Oh, it's. Oh my God, that's terrifying. Oh, it was horrible. It was always. It was. But I laughed about it afterwards, and yeah. it, it does make it's fun now to think about it. But at that time, I was. Convinced. <laughs> no, it's not fun to think about. It. I'm thinking about it right now, and I'm shitting my pants. <laughs> like, no, I don't want to think like, about no. that. <laughs> well, do you have a favorite Stephen King book? Uh, I would have to say The Stand. The Stand. Yeah, it took me forever, and it was like I felt super achieved right reading it. Well, it's a commitment. Yeah, it was like fucking three months of my life, man. But I loved the story. It's a great story. I mean, like, truly, it's a masterpiece of storytelling. And it's the post-apocalyptic tale, mm-hmm. right? Good basically comes down to good versus evil. And it's really funny how influential he is, so much so that, like, the band Anthrax, mm-hmm. their song Among the Living, the the album Among the Living, the song Among the Living, is all about the stand. Really? Yeah. Huh. Like, I mean, so, you know, people pull inspiration from him forever. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest complaint always is I, a lot of this, oh, oh, shit, you know what he wrote? And another one that really freaked me the fuck out was Salem's Lot. Oh, motherfucker. Yeah, that was a good one. But That's another good Now It didn't scare me as much as the movie did. I'll tell you that for damn sure. So, and so that's an interesting thing because he's one of those guys that has been adapted many, many times. By even himself. Yes, yeah. where he has written and directed. Uh, uh-huh. In fact, it was Maximum, Maximum Overdrive. Overdrive. Which we'll eventually get around to talking to on this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I think we actually might be screening that for a horror show. Who knows? Don't quote us that, but definitely we will do a podcast about maximum overdrive uh but you know there's been so many adaptions to his stories mm-hmm. um some successful some not the shining mm-hmm. uh the dead zone fucking even in his non-scary shit uh, oh, green, green mile. mile yeah shawshank redemption running a man yeah yeah he's, yeah i forgot god all yeah. the, the gnome de plume of richard bachman uh-huh if i remember so yeah. i mean he's prolific though oh just yeah. in terms of stories and so it's obviously it may, it makes sense to translate him to film. Yeah, it's the natural progression. Of course. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's had everyone from Cronenberg, from mm-hmm. uh, Kubrick. So he's had some amazing directors, directors. Yeah. adapt his stuff. I, has uh, Spielberg ever done any? I don't think he has. No, I don't think he I don't has. I don't think so either. I don't know if he would lower himself <laughs> to you know, some Stephen King material. Frank Darbutt and Mick Garris, I think, hold the record of the most adaptations of Stephen King. Mick Garris is just kind of synonymous with, with Stephen King with, and beautiful hair. Right. Because Mick Garris did all the uh, made-for-TV Stephen Kings. I haven't seen a lot of those. Really? No. It was great. It yeah well of course it of was course. it was awesome it actually works really well just not only because of um, Tim, Tim Curry, Curry but you had um, um, oh good lord White. Harry Anderson yes. John Ritter John Ritter yeah yeah um, a really a, strong cast a lot a really really strong cast no child orgy strong. yeah no child <laughs> no kids banging Thank no God. no kid diddling but yeah safe from that um, so 
obviously the pet, pet cemetery the first one i ever read um came out in 1989 the film written by stephen king mm-hmm. and directed by mary lambert and what are your thoughts since we just saw it where do we start here uh there was <laughs> where do i where do i begin with this right movie? um it's still pretty scary it's I, it's i there was more parts where i was i would physically go no I was, I was. There's some yeah. genuine menace in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm really anxious to see how it plays in a theater. But it's a sad movie. It is. It's That's... a very sad. And uh, so, okay, so let me tell you the first time I got. To, I told the story off mic. Yes. So let me tell you this story on the, on, the, on the on the podcast. The first time I saw this movie, it was in the theater, and I was probably all about like ten maybe 12, mm-hmm. a little bit older. And I had a little brother who was Gage's age, the little boy. And when he gets hit by the... Oh, spoiler, spoiler, oh, of course, spoiler, of spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. When he gets hit by the truck, and it's just that... It's not graphic, but it's so realistically looking. It's everything you don't see. Right. It's all that theater of the mind. And all you see this bloody shoe just... Dunk, dunk, dunk. I lost my shit i just started bawling i mean it was like not terror cry and but it was sorrow like i just pictured what if my brother was the one because he was at that that age age. and i'm like oh because we lived on state avenue and that's a busy busy street so it it's feasible it was feasible that that could have happened and i'm just bawling in tears and i'm just like I'm shaking uncontrollably and I can't control my like sobbing and crying and just not the fact I'm, I'm, I'm not sa- I'm sad, but I'm it's more like this could really happen freaking out. I had to get up out of the theater and go in the hallway and just like calm Actually, down. Fortunately, like they had like video games in the movie theater. Sure. And I was sure. just like. Uh, I, I, I bought I bought like a like a Coke and I went and I just like played Donkey Kong because and not even and I, I was just kind of like doo, 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 not even like really playing it just kind of like oh, you're processing yeah just, just kind of like just letting the, the bells and whistles just kind of like okay you're you're good you're good well that's one of the things I think that works so well with not only this film but Stephen King in general is you know you know there's some nasty scary shit out there but the worst things that can happen are the things that could happen really could happen and that's the thing with this film it's to me it's all about the cycle of grief Mm -hmm. in terms of what we do when we experience grief because that's the one thing with this film i think if you are a if you're a parent it's It's going to make this film yeah Yeah. so much more than if you're not now granted i'm not a parent you're not a parent but we have we've had people we've lost absolutely absolutely and we've gone through those stages of grief yeah and that's to me the most interesting thing on this film is what happens if you do not deal with the grief in a positive Mm -hmm. healthy way Mm -hmm. that it just cycles out of control to the point where you 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 your bad shit is gonna happen really to bad. you if you don't i don't want to say if you don't accept the fact that right. they're gone if but you if, but and, and like treasure the time that they had there if you just kind of like hold on to him for you always want to hold on to yeah, but if you hold on to him too much it can drive you insane and be bad you know so and hence, hence the yeah all pet the, cemetery <laughs> so uh the the cast itself uh-huh is kind of a mixed bag with it, this film it is and, and like i was telling you earlier i think this is a great movie and i think people who've seen this movie really enjoy this movie mm-hmm. and it's very like applauded i think it's one of the better adaptations mm-hmm. of his books into movies but when it comes to the acting i think the my main beef with this movie was the main guy dale midkiff yeah he's just very stone-faced he's... the whole time and the only expressions he has is sorrow and 
anger. And then just, and then just stone. Like, yeah. And I don't know if that's necessarily his acting style or if that's just all he could give, but it definitely is the weakest part of that. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of a, on the on the kind of the, the flip side of that, <laughs> right. you've got Fred Gwynn playing Judd. Yeah. And Herman Munster with a main accent. I, and that's the thing we talked about it while we were watching this film, just in terms of all the little tangential connections to other Stephen King's, not, not even the books, but maybe just the themes mm-hmm. that they draw upon to the fact that we realize that the little girl in this film has the shine right yeah which is a really interesting thing and i don't know if that's necessarily like in terms of the premonition and so forth if you can see that in other films beyond the shining obviously Mm -hmm. but they there that there's always those themes in there that like the kids know better yeah the kids are the ones that are more attuned right to the way things are working it's in fucking silver bullet it's the kids Mm -hmm. and find out what the whole long it Mm -hmm. the whole thing i Uh, mean uh, shining uh like he's got tons of books where if there's kids in it they already know first. And I will say this. Stephen King is also one of the people that will kill, kill kids. Some kids. Yeah. He ain't afraid to fuck some kids up. And that always crossed. The, that to me was kind of a, a habitual line stepper. <laughs> hey, John G. Yeah. <laughs> because that's something you didn't see too often. No. No. And if you did, it was super horrific. Mm-hmm. And the fact that. Um, the whole story centers around the death of this kid. Yes. Yeah. Miko Hughes playing little Gage. Who is legitimately terrifying to me in this film. He's scary as shit. I really... There are moments in this film where... And again, in terms of how it plays with an audience, Mm -hmm. I can see there might be some people that might giggle at the thought of, you know, a little... Evil toddler. Right. It's not terrifying, but man. No, it's... Mary Heron... Lambert... Mary Lambert. Mary Heron did American Psycho. Oh, I yeah. know. I did the same thing. That's it. It's our Marys. <laughs> Something Mar- about her. Mary Shelley. Um, <laughs> Mary Lambert It does two things well. Sets up creepy atmosphere and doesn't give a fuck when his, her actors get hurt. Oh. <laughs> so, Even the little kid. The little kid got fucked up. She's like, we're roll them. <laughs> at the very end of that film, two points where we both looked at each other like, "What? The, did that just happen?" Mm-hmm. Was when um the, when the, uh, Lewis rolls out of bed, bed and he straight up jacks himself on the side of a table, just eats it. It it doesn't look like a fake table. No, either. it looks it's like, like he fakes some shit. Yeah, and then once he injects Gage with whatever it does that kills him, mm-hmm. little Gage stumbles back, stumbles around, boom, just hits his head, <laughs> eats it on the wall, and dude. he eats some shit. Yeah, he does. Like, boom. and that's not a stunt double. <laughs> Not fair. Not fair, Mary. Not fair. Call cut, Mary. I don't want that take, Mary. I'm going to get my agent, Mary. Sit in the trailer. I'm not working with that bitch again. <laughs> and I'm laughing at it but now because... I, I have to because otherwise I'm scared shitless we, of what's going we, on. We both we both look at each other like, oh shit, ouch, oh, oh goddamn. Just keep rolling, just keep rolling, keep it's fine. Well, she does. She really the way this film is shot, it just yeah. in terms of building the tension, yeah, works really well. Even just let's talk about the the scene where um, Gage dies. That that the the, the truck, honestly, the road. And the trucks in this film are as much as a character yeah. as everyone else. Yeah, because it's always looming. Very much so. Larger than life presence. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I, I joked about it. It's like, you know, you have Chekhov's semi-truck. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't introduce it in the beginning unless that shit is going to pay off. And good Lord does it. Yeah. And the way it's shot, because it's like, I think it's the editing that works really well with it. Because you don't see him actually 
hit. No, but, but like you said, all implied yes. theater of the mind. But it comes like it comes. It looks like it comes like an inch away from the kid's face. Oh no, I don't know how they shot it. In fact, I almost kind of watch, listen to the commentary and see right. what the fuck they did with that. Right, because that's what I'm anxious to. I'm going to watch the reaction of people during the screening of that because mm-hmm. it's intense. No, it's oh uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I kind of I didn't well up. <laughs> Watching no, well, it, but I was just like, <sighs> and I'll I'll give you this: <sighs> most of the, the those you know panning down shots and someone's like, no, I almost felt this one was kind of earned. Yeah, you oh, know, yes, yes. Like I was... didn't find it cheesy Mm-mm. the way I would some Mm-mm. of the other things like that. Yeah. So I thought it was really, really effective. Yeah, and then also the gore in this film. Yeah, the gore doesn't come until maybe about. There's a snippet with uh, a Pascal, bit with Pascal, yeah, but not until fucking. Once again, spoilers till till fucking Herman Munster eats it. So yeah, um, Jesus Christ, Judd's death scene in this film. I remember reading Fangoria. You know, if you're a horror fan, you always read Fangoria. Oh, yeah. I didn't have a subscription. I didn't buy it too often, but I would always go to B. Dalton Bookseller in the mall. <laughs> Just fucking read it. Hell yeah, yeah. yeah. Between uh-huh. that and Starlog, and I remember specifically there was this full splash page shot of him with the 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 mouth the missing slit. when he got slit. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god. And that's how fucking up. deep was that? That cut when he cut his Achilles, Achilles tendon, that just deep, like almost like to the ankle bone deep. It's that shot because the, again, the buildup is wonderful, and the fact that the, the basically Church, the cat, mm-hmm. and little Mika work together, yeah. yes, because uh-huh. they distract him, and then that shot. When that little, little and it doesn't hand. even look like a real hand, no, with the scalpel. Oh just my god, just sawing into him, and he really goes deep he on that goes man. Way deep, he goes John Holmes deep. He, <laughs> he, he goes deep. It's horrific, and mm-hmm. that's the thing with tiny. And let me ask you this: little kids, mm-hmm. demonic kids, scary mm-hmm. kids, do they scare you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them. Here's the thing: I like kids. I work with kids. Yes. I don't have problems with kids. But evil kids and evil British kids can fucking die. Thank Christ he didn't have a British accent. No, like, not fair, daddy. Motherfucker, get out of here with your evil cat. Your <laughs> little critter that scurries around. God damn. Two of my big fears. Oh, my oh God. Oh, God. The bathtub scene. No. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. So, for those of you on the podcast, you know that I hate me some rats. And I hate <laughs> me some little animals that scurry around and they're evil, right? Well, there's a scene where this guy, the doctor, is just, just chilling out in his bathtub. And then all of a sudden, the cat jumps out of nowhere and throws a rat. A big-ass, gnarly rat. That. Right in the bathtub. I lost my shit. I was like, oh, God! Because I, I didn't remember that. But... <laughs> Ooh, you're over there just laughing. I couldn't help myself because right. I'd forgotten all about it, too. Because <laughs> right. when's the last time you, you think you saw this? Six, seven years ago. It's been ago. a long time. And yeah. for, for, for geeks like us, mm-hmm. that's a long time. Because there's certain yeah. films that we'll watch yearly. Mm-hmm. So it's just been a while since we've seen this one. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to have that reaction. <laughs> just because it's, it's fu- let's face it, it's, it, it's fun it's to be scared. Fun. Yeah, right? it's fun to be scared. And yeah, it, it's something that freaks you out. You're like, ah! I'd probably like, <laughs> Oh, my too. God. Because, you know, we're friends. We buzz of each course. Other. Of course. What we do. Well, it was uh, Lance Anderson did the special effects, and I mean, they're just gooey, they're gory, they're oh, they're juicy, and 
the, I think part of the the scary factor of it is the sound design. Of the this sound movie. design is fantastic. You can hear Zelda's bones just creak. You We're can not hear getting the, to her yet. Not yet. But not you yet. can hear like Gage laughing and just the, even when they were peeling that cat. Oh, off when they're the peeling ground. the cat off the ground. Oh, and if you like animals, oh yeah. If you don't like seeing dead animals, this is a. This is a hard. This is a hard sell because there's a couple of scenes where you're like, Jesus Christ, is that real? That is that a real dead cat? When he puts uh, uh, Church down, Ooh. and he's down on the ground. I mean, that looked like a, a real dead. goddamn cat, a real goddamn freshly dead cat. To the point where we were both like, like is that a is that is real? That, is that it? Legitimately, Ooh. kind of fucked with us. Yeah, it did. Which. Goes to the power. I'm praying to God that's K and B or someone you know went out of their way, <laughs> right? To you know, or Jim Henson, as you said, yeah. Because unless like Mary's like, well, we're going for realism, and yeah, I just ran over a cat on my way here, so might as well use it. It's not want not. You've heard of method acting. There's method, <laughs> method directing, directing at the same time. Oh my God, Mary, we're all out of cats. Go find some more. You know, just. <laughs> well, so um, we were kind of discussing what truly comes back. From the pet cemetery, yeah, because they eat, they eat people. flesh, yeah. Because when the when they're when Fred Gwynn talking about when I was a lad and I've been dead back, <laughs> and in we the haven't done enough, you know, just how wonderful his accent is and what he's doing with it, right? Just Herman Munster here, you know. That's how we. <laughs> Grandpa first took me to the pet cemetery. We were digging up Lily. She had to put little Eddie Munster down. He came back, and then we realized Dad is better. (laughs) I was just waiting for him to, like, as he's, like, walking in the garden, just, like, whistling. (laughs) Dar, 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 dar. (laughs) Oh, Willie. (laughs) And starts laughing and stomping, and fucking shit just comes down on the... But honestly, like, his performance is... It's terrifying, but... It really is. Yet it's, like, heartwarmingly terrifying. Well, he's just... He's, like, that old neighbor you had that you knew in the neighborhood that you didn't necessarily want to cross paths with because of all the urban legends around Mm -hmm. him, you know? But ultimately, he's not necessarily a bad guy. No, he's not a bad guy, because he feels remorse. And, well, yeah, there's grief and remorse, but he's technically the one... That really opens this whole Pandora's box. Yeah. Had he not opened his mouth mm-hmm. about, and I obviously I understand he had the best intentions. He though. did, and well, because he he's like that little girl doesn't know to need know what death is yet. So, uh, you know. and I appreciate the fact that he was going for that, but ultimately, my God, he should he knows he better, knows though. better. He knows the shit when it comes back is going to come up and be all fucked up. Yeah, he's uh, I don't know. So, and I, I'm not necessarily a pl- because he even explains himself, mm-hmm. which I think works for the most part because. If he doesn't do that, it's a big then he's like, like, then he's like evil. Right. If he didn't explain why he did it, then he's like, well, I'm just an cantankerous old man who likes to see people get fucked. You know, <laughs> just like. <laughs> well, I, I re- I, he brings a little bit of humanity to the role uh-huh. as someone that's seen some shit, and he but he shows it because he's he, there's some parts where he's genuinely like you are a scary fuck, Herman Munster. There's there's that great shot where it's a point of view, and he just his entire big are old you okay? melon comes in. Come the on frame. out, like get off your pussy. You know? I'm I'm anxious to see that in a theater because good lord, just even 50, on this one, fifty feet of Fred Gwynn's face, just like ah, dead is better, like just. All up in your business, man. <laughs> that might actually, you know, you know, evacuate the theater with that shit. But no, he's he's actually really good in the film. And then all, uh, when his eventual demise hits, it kind of hits hard. Yeah, because it's gory as fuck. It's horrid. But this is for a horror film. Mm-hmm. There's a relatively low body count in it. There's a very low body count. I think like. 
Pascal, the wife, mm-hmm. the kid, mm-hmm. the cat, Fred Gwynn. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And oh, and then, and then the main guy. At the of end. course. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, goddamn, it's dark. Speaking of dark, can we talk a little bit about the dad in this movie? Oh, my God. What a fucking asshole. So, so yeah. So, uh, Denise Crosby plays Rachel. Um, mm-hmm. And Denise Crosby, I think but this is before Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, so, she's still... And, again, she's not too bad in this film. Yeah, she, but she's not the main focus. Right. Yeah. But her folks apparently hate... Uh, Lewis, and he's a he's a doctor. He's a fucking doctor. Why he's teaching he... in a he's teaching a fucking college, right? Like, why is that a bad thing? Like, your dad never likes me. Like, well, we, well, what else, what more does he want? He's a goddamn doctor. I mean, he... it seems like every parent's dream is for right? their child to marry a doctor, right? And oh, but he's just an asshole from the word get. Holy shit! To yeah. the point that in the midst of the funeral for little Gage, he starts yelling and browbeating, punches him. him. Yeah, they scuffle G- and the... fucking knocks the bot the fucking grave of the child the whole fucking said <laughs> the whole casket down and like the hand just comes out and you're like oh my god if this was a comedy it would be hilarious but it's not it's not, it's not. so it you're just like what the fuck and it brings no levity at all to no. it you're just like as horrified as everyone else you're just like oh my god this dude is an asshole like grade a asshole at his fucking grandson's funeral and I'm, I'm imagining in the book I'm sure they go back into it and again it's been since forever yeah but still but damn yeah and even to the point where he tries to reconcile with him he's like oh you know yeah, fuck really you sick. dude yeah and i think that's actually where it works for del midkiff the fact that he can't really act all that well because he's, like, he's just stone faced mm-hmm. mm-hmm. whatever that's fine <laughs> you know, just it's really it's kind of awful the way that happened because i again putting myself in the position of because i think context is a lot of the thing with this film as well mm-hmm. but putting myself in that frame of mind my god <sighs> It's just all about the de-evolution of someone and, and just their psyche yeah, in terms of... Into madness. Yes. And again, it's just, again, the cycle of grief. Because even, even the doctor knew better. You know, yes. the doctor knew better. He goes, well, gay, uh, church came back all kind of evil and fucked up. Maybe not Gage. So let's go ahead and go down to the pet cemetery. And then he rationalizes it with his wife. Uh-huh. Just like, no, no, it was too long with Gage. Yeah, this you know, just she's, happened. It's she's fine. just a fresh cadaver. Yeah. But the, the soil is sour. The soil is sour, yeah. man. Oh, my God. Um, you mentioned it earlier. I'd be, <laughs> and this is this is the thing that, uh, in terms of, I always joke about like nightmare fuel yeah. and those certain things that you see as a child that really fuck you up. This is your chud. This is, yeah, this is my yeah, chud. This is your chud. When, when they put together a little promo reel at the Alamo uh, for, this, for this screening, um, we were watching, I can't remember what movie we were watching it before, but they are just little snippets of Zelda. And if you're not familiar with Zelda in, in this movie, Zelda is Rachel's sister who suffers from spinal meningitis. And she ain't a Hyrule priest. Uh, oh, princess, God, no, I wish sure. she was because she is so decrepit yeah. and just, I just, and Again, this is one of those things where it's not supernatural. No, it's it's, it's what, real and it's, tangible. Yes, yeah. it's the shit that can happen, and I think yeah. that's what's so scary. But uh, Zelda was portrayed by Andrew Hubastek. Hubastek. Hubastank. Hubastank. Yeah, <laughs> which is not a female. So it was a. But the reason they got him was because he was so skinny and bony. Is he really emaciated? Very much emaciated, yes. And my God, there are two scenes in this film and again, just the overall feeling of dread and menace is palpable in this film. But there are two shots in here that have still just been burned in my mind and God damn it, if they didn't show one of them during there. But there's that bit when uh, Zelda's in the bed and she just kind of gets up and looks over, but it's... It's the sound of this, the creaking bones, just the... 
And it's awful, and it's so sudden, and it's just she's staring right at the camera. Yeah. She's staring into your soul. Yeah. And oh my god, because so, she gets up like weird Undertaker-y type, like you know, like Evil Dead, like swallow your soul. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And I just, I that freaked me out. And then there's the bit where Rachel is um, hallucinating again, mm-hmm. and there's that bit where Zelda just is talking to her, is like, I'm back now, Rachel, and, and to she make makes, you twisted like me. And then she makes a beeline towards the camera, yeah. and Jesus Christ, yeah. it's just, and it's nothing substantial, it's just really, just minutia, mm-hmm. but my God, that still stays with me. But she's gnarly. Oh, it's gnarly. frightening, and I yeah. know this is a, I'm, I'll admit it, I'm going to open up again with the old PTSD disclaimer on yeah. this one, because my God, seeing that on the big screen... I don't know how I'm going to react. We're both going to be in the hallway like that. Crying. Fucked up. I I might be in a corner sobbing. I don't know because (laughs) on the small screen, it's still fucked up. But on the big screen, my God, if you hear a yelp in the audience, (laughs) y'all, I'll admit it. It'll probably be me because that that is. And that's the thing I've read a lot about the film. But most people say that is the thing that really sticks with them and is Zelda. And just. But every. Thing in this movie that's supposed to be creepy is creepy. It is. It's it is. creepy and scary. I don't think anything really gets lost in translation uh, that way. Gage is scary and creepy. Yes, I mean, he even is. before, like, hide and seek. And he's laughing. I'm and gonna just, play with you, genius. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, that's no. And then the cat, the cat's scary. The cat's oh, real. yeah. Well, yeah, the cat. Well, speaking of, <laughs> hey, Kitty, Kitty, how you doing there? <laughs> okay, right now the cat is up on the table with us, and I wish she would meow and, you know, just give a little shout out here. Uh, but she, I think she knows that she's being talked about right now. And she's like, y'all. Y'all motherfuckers talking shit. <laughs> Don't forget what you. I can do. Yeah, I'll get you. Sure. Yeah. So I mentioned we're giving away a copy of the record, the LP. And so let's talk a little bit about the fact that the Ramones mm-hmm. have such a, not a presence, but it's so weird that the Ramones are so tied to this film. <laughs> right. And because the, the the film closes with the, the Pet cemetery, And yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah, it is. And they actually, there's that horror, well, the horror, the scene where uh, Gage gets hits, the guy's rocking out to Sheena is a punk rocker, <laughs> which really taints that song for me back in the day. And we talked about how, like, it would be awesome, like, all the Stephen King movies are all kind of connected and the stuff. The Stephen King cinematic universe. Right. We were talking, like, so what if the truck that, like, hit Gage actually had, like, the big green guy and face on it i mean why not because like they already have the shine in it might as well have that all yeah. and you know it takes place in maine of castle course rock of course everything is yeah, yeah. everything happens in castle rock yeah. if it doesn't happen in castle rock it's not stephen king right you know if it, and that's what i always kind of like about him though is there's always those kind of consistent themes. right there's there's a connection of it uh, yeah. very much so and that's the thing like you know the guilty will ultimately be punished in a lot of his films but honestly if you're innocent it doesn't matter you're Still. Still, yeah. But in, in fairness, it, the, the doctor was way guilty in this one. Very much so. I mean, he wasn't guilty because he did something bad. He no. was guilty because he thought he was doing the right thing. Well, yeah, that, that's, you know, in terms of, you know, a good villain is someone that is, you know, earnest in their belief that they're, what they're doing is right. And he, again, he's fueled by grief. He's mm-hmm. fueled by remorse. And if yeah. any of you've lost anyone before in your life, you know what that can do to you. Like if I could just bring him back for one more day. Fuck you yeah, know? of yeah. course. Of course, because that's what happens. Because honestly, you know, you're not in the right frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And if you're not dealing with it in a way, it is going to spiral out of control. And that's, yeah. and I won't necessarily say it's a metaphor for it, but mm-hmm. it's it works in that kind of a comparison. And 
Gage ain't no goddamn Jon Snow, that's for sure. You know, good lord, things man. Things come back bad. Yes, bad. they do. And it's never, it's, they said it's an old Indian burial ground. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, once the, and they stopped using it once they realized that the thing was sour. Soil went sour. Yeah. And so we talked about what exactly are they when they come back? They're not zombies. They're they, not, well, are, well, because they're, they, I mean, they can talk. They can still, they're rational for the most part because right. they, he they was scheming. Scheming, they scheme right. and plan. I mean, and they use weapons to kill. But, but they eat, they eat the flesh. flesh. Yeah, you mentioned maybe ghoulish. Yeah, like maybe ghouls. ghouls. And I was uh-huh. thinking because you know Romero back uh, in Night of the Living Dead, he didn't refer to them as zombies. He mm-hmm. referred to them as ghouls. Yeah, and they were eating the flesh of the living. Mm-hmm. And that, oh my God, when when Gage takes the chunk oh, out of just vile again, just, it's just a horrid death. Poor mm-hmm. for, I mean, good, actually. Fred Gwynn, good for him because that's kind of cool. The yeah. fact that you know you get to you know play this this great character in this film, but then you're you're good enough you, sport to like go ahead there. Huh, Take, not, this ain't my first rodeo with lots of makeup. You, <laughs> you know I was in. You know I was Hammond Monster, right? <laughs> yes, Fred, we yeah, got it, we Mary, got it. Yeah. And then uh, when Rachel comes back at the end, she's just juicy and gnarly and just like just. Pus is just the pus, man. God. And you want to talk about what grief does to you, man. I mean, Lewis, he's into it. He gives her the kiss mm-hmm. because he's gone. He's completely gone. No, no, he's, Had she he's not done. killed him, he's, yeah, he's, he's he would just probably be wacky yeah, somewhere. Yeah, know? no, they'd lock him up. This on this the rubber the padded room. The padded room, yeah. yeah. And then the film ends on just the darkest note. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing with Stephen King, is a lot of his shit is dark. <laughs> yeah. And Mary dark. Lambert pulled no punches with this film. No, this and is whoo. anyone that tells me a female can't be a good horror director that's bullshit bullshit, bullshit. we i can probably name them off ton off right in the top of my head we got mary we got the other mary we we, we got a uh, fucking uh gg saskas fucking jill, jill six. six yeah i mean yeah there's tons man i i it really upsets me when people say that it just it should have no bearing bullshit. to it i just no. want someone that can tell me a wonderful story a good directors a good director Gender no matter what's damned. between the legs exactly yeah. exactly and fuck she kills it in this one oh, man God. Oh, damn, she's mean in this it movie. It is. This is a this is a mean movie. Dead cats and all. Mary don't give a fuck. And I, I I don't know if it's necessarily to the strength of Stephen King's writing on this one because you know he's intimately familiar with this. And I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember, in terms of the other adaptations, how many of them he's actually written the screenplay for. That's a good question. I don't know. I should have done head. my research yeah, on that one. I'm kind of kicking myself for it now. But you know, it's still, I mean, it's, whatever. There's a lot of ones where he'll be like, okay, yeah, I dig it, and some will be like, no. Like Lawnmower Man, I think he came out openly and oh, said, "Oh, that's Lawnmower. right," because Lawnmower Man had nothing to do with his story. Lawnmower I Man, I forgot about Lawnmower Man. They just Man. wanted to throw like, and I think he also hated Sleepwalkers. Oh my God, I, I forgot about Sleepwalkers. Yeah, he, I think he hated Sleepwalkers. I think he hated uh, Lawnmower Man. We know he hated The Shining. Yeah, we know he. Well, hated it's so the Shining. funny when you watch that trailer for Maximum Overdrive, and he's like, you know, people have been trying to do my 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 things forever, and I figure if you're going to do it, you're going to do it the right way. And he's basically talking shit on like John Carpenter, uh-huh. David Cronenberg, Stanley Kubrick. Like, are you kidding? Right. And uh, the they funniest- call me a goddamn asshole. <laughs> and, so, and we're actually thinking like what if like because he he shows up as a cameo as the priest in this one and we're like oh that's the good barrel brother you right. know <laughs> the one that made it really well you know the family's real proud of him it's george it's barrel 
And that's that Vero luck, and it's spelled B-A-D. To the point, though, where it wasn't much of a distraction for me at this no, point. No, but I was like, okay, cool. But I, I think it gets Stephen King's stamp of approval if he's in If it. he's in it. If he's got a cameo in it, he goes, yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm cool with this. I, I think he should be, because this is just a very powerful film. It's it's that, it's gut-wrenching. It it's, is. It's, it's sad. It's a, You feel, like, not dirty, but you're like... Almost kind of like you, emotionally you a, drained. Yes, you go through this. a journey yeah, on yeah. this film because it starts off like, okay, where is this going? Everything's like all happy, and then like next thing you know, like the chick kills herself in the middle of their goddamn oh, basement. Yeah, and you're like, what the fuck? Right? I'm moving out of that place because it's right? now haunted. You know that's gonna happen. Fuck yeah, exactly. It's haunted. When somebody dies <laughs> horrifically in your house, it's time to sell. I've seen Amityville. I know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? I know the files of the warrens i'm good uh, you know bye bye right call 21st century come on come on buy my shit we buy ugly houses come buy haunted houses we buy haunted houses that's that's a business we need to do we buy haunted houses okay we're gonna copyright yeah, one, exactly. one. we're gonna start on the screenplay on that one um no i i really think now this uh there's also a sequel to pet cemetery with edward furlong and clancy brown mm-hmm. which i'll be honest i haven't seen hey, i got the disc i know you've got the disc right. Right. Have, did, you, did you see it no oh, you saw, okay so i haven't seen it interesting because I heard nothing but bad, bad things, things about this. Kind of like the, the, she she did this second one. I saw that she did that yeah, too. So, so which is going to warrant a watch for me, right? So we'll have to eventually kind of you know catch up on that one because. But I don't think it's a Stephen. It's not a Stephen right. King story, so maybe no. that's why it's was critically but it's panned. Clancy Brown, though, you know I do love the man and yeah, Mary Lambert. True. I'm going to yeah, go with true. her on that one. So um, hopefully this will not necessarily maybe gain a cult following, but people will repraise this one, rewatch mm-hmm. it, reevaluate it. Yeah, because when we announced Pet Cemetery, everybody's like, "Ooh, Pet, yeah. I haven't seen that in a while." And that's just it. It's one of those that you don't necessarily doesn't necessarily come up in your rotation a lot. Yeah, but I think I might. This might be one of those like every couple years. Yeah, maybe every like three, four years. Right? Back it's on. so interesting to have horror films like that. Right? Where it's not necessarily every year, you know, but it's like every other year, yeah. every three that you because like Halloween, them. you can see every year. Of course, once a year you can see Halloween. And you're good, you yeah. know, Just like Return of the Living Dead. Right, once or twice a year. Yeah, once or twice a year you can see it, and you're good. Okay, cool. But this one, it's like, yeah, I don't want to watch it for a while because I'm still kind of like, goddamn, I'm reeling from it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was. Who? I mean, like after the movie, I think I just let out like a. It is. It's yeah. just. It's a journey you go through. Mm-hmm. So I'm really. I'm. I'm excited to see this with a yeah. crowd. Um, and I think it would have got. It's a cult. It's got a cult following. I mean, definitely. Oh does. yeah, definitely. But I think it would be more mainstream and more accessible if it wasn't for that main actor. Sure. Yeah. The acting on it is kind of the, the thing that kind of skews it, but everything else works. Everything else so well. works great. I mean, the, the Gage in the church is scary. Oh, my God. Pascal is grotesque, but he's benevolent. But he is. He's. I, and I remember seeing that the first time and seeing this grotesque figure mm-hmm. but i'm like oh he's he's he's, he's a like friend, casper he's a friendly guy right? Right, right right but just with a gaping head wound yeah, he's right. head, head, head wound head wound harry, harry. <laughs> the natural extension of comes that. out and you know, the cat come, church comes out cars i'm licking it and <laughs> so um i'm angry i can't wait to see this with a crowd it's going to be a lot of fun um mm-hmm. final thoughts on pet cemetery well <laughs> Dead is better. Dead is better. So until next week, gang, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGain. And we will see you in your dreams. Not fair, Daddy.